Welcome to the Blazing Ember podcast, where we aim to amplify the voices of Latino professionals. We, Diana and Maria, founded this podcast to explore unspoken rules and all the ships, leadership, mentorship, sponsorship, and allyship with Latino leaders. We are here to ignite your path to success with valuable insights. Bienvenidos. Hello. Today, we're talking with Jose Ramon Gonzalez, who is the Chief Legal Officer and Corporate Secretary of Equitable Holdings and a member of the company's management committee. Previously, Jose was Executive Vice President and General Counsel for CNA Insurance, serving as Principal Counsel to the Chief Executive Officer, Senior Management Team, and the Board of Directors. Jose began practicing law in 1995 as a corporate associate at Wild Gotchel and Manji's and has held a few other roles in between. He's also a good friend. So thank you for joining us, Jose. I really appreciate having you here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your path to GC at Equitable. And then also you have to answer this question because we always ask, what makes your ember blaze? Okay. Okay. Well, well, uh, well, uh, well, nice to see you again, uh, Maria. Nice talking to you. And uh, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to share my story and to uh, provide some perspectives uh, to your listeners. So my path to equitable, it's a long path. We probably don't have enough time on the on this uh, <laughs> podcast to to go through it all. But I would say what I would say, it's been a it's been a long path. It was one that it's it wasn't a direct path it was a path that i didn't think i would i would be here today it wasn't where i was planning to be 25 30 years ago whenever i graduated law school but it's a very fulfilling fulfilling one uh for me so i had a typical the career path for an attorney working after graduating from law school working at a big law firm you mentioned it before at Wall Godshall for a number mm-hmm. of years i always knew i wanted to be in house I thought it was it made more sense from a personality point of view for my personality to be working at a company working with other folks trying to get things done together working on common projects. So I went in-house pretty quickly maybe about after 5 years of being at Wild and I went into an M&A team working at AIG which was the last some of the last big deals that AIG did before AIG became a lot smaller than it, mm-hmm. it is today. It's a lot smaller than it was back then. But it was mm-hmm. a great opportunity to really understand a global organization and get involved on different deals across the world and to meet lots of people and work with them. So I did that for about five years before transitioning out to a uh, more of a business support function on the domestic U.S. property the property and casualty group at AIG. And then from then I would just I would just wrap up quickly that from then I had a number of positions at other property casualty companies where I finally ended up as general counsel at CNA which was the first my first public general counsel role. I was very proud of that and it was a long road that was in 2019. And then about a year and a half, a year almost 2 years later, I had a great opportunity to join Equitable Holdings as their general counsel and that's where I've been for the last uh, two plus years. So I'm very happy to be here. And what makes my em- embers blaze? I would yeah. say it's really about supporting others and positioning them for success. That is really, if I had to say that's what really excites me. That's what really makes my embers blaze. Great. Thank you. 
Thank you. So let me just take the next question and then we'll switch over. If you look at the data, right, there's not many, there's very few Latino GCs in the Fortune 500. And you've had at least two public GC roles, right? So being one of a few, what has gotten you there? How has mentoring impacted your career? So, yeah, there are definitely few. There's probably, I think right now, we believe there's about 16, 17 general councils that are Latino, Latina in the, in the Fortune 500. What I, I think you, you asked two different questions. And mm-hmm. the first I'll, I'll tackle is, uh, how did I get here? I don't know how I got here, but I, I will say, <laughs> I don't know if it was a predetermined, I don't know if it was a predetermined route. I did. It's not where I was. It's not where I necessarily, if I thought of where I was when I was a, an associate at a law firm, I, it wasn't what I was aiming for, but I will say that I always wanted to be to be adding to a team, to be part of a team, to be supporting others within my role. And I think that naturally led me to ever-increasing roles of responsibility at any organization that I worked in. And so every time I was in any role, I was always seeking to be more strategic, to be having to... to come up with a vision for the organization, for the group, for the team, whatever it may be that I was leading, to be working with others to promote the broader goals of of that organization. And I think that naturally led me to ever-increasing roles of responsibility and to the role I have today. As far as mentoring, I would say there's definitely, there's been, been a factor of mentoring within my career, but I would say what I, what really impacted my career was maybe a little bit of the lack of mentoring that I had. And I probably didn't realize it at the time. But when I started my career, I didn't realize it back then. I realize it now. But I didn't have mentors. I didn't feel like I had that many mentors. I I didn't really have people that were necessarily I had there were nice people or there were a lot of colleagues. There were colleagues around me that were good people to work with. They were supportive. They were helpful. But were they sponsoring me? Were they really looking to move me, to to help me develop in my career? For the first few years of my career, I didn't really see that. And for the first few years of everyone's career, that's when mentorship is, is super important. So I would say the first few years, I didn't see that. I think at some point, I instinctively realized other people had those mentors, and, and I didn't. And so I instinctively started looking for those mentors and have spent a lot of, and I would say, have had mentors now for many years, and people that I believe really are genuinely committed to my success and are watching for me even when I when I'm not in contact with them. So I think there's been a lot of people around me that have mentored me uh throughout and continue to mentor me today and I really appreciate um that that support that they've provided. And and kind of what triggered your instinct, right? Was there an event, was there something that made you, you know, have that kind of eureka moment of I need something here, something's missing. Yeah. Well, I think we all I think one of the things that that you realize in your career, in any probably in any C-suite role or in in a big corporation, not just the legal function but beyond, is that the first few years of your career, you need to know your stuff. You need to really be, you need to be good at what you do, 
And as lawyers, it's the law, right? It's interpreting, drafting, it's negotiating, it's those bits and pieces, right? Whichever, you know, specific area of the law you're focused on. And so I did that. I tried to do the best that I could. I made sure that I was the best at whatever I was doing, that I was complete, that I was thorough, that I was thoughtful, that I was reliable, all the basic things that you needed to work. And I think a lot of us as first generation, the children of immigrants and first generation, we know we we have that, in, we're hardwired in that way. We saw the work that our parents put in, that our aunts and uncles and our community put in to succeed. And it was hard work stuff that many other people wouldn't do, but they did because they wanted to provide for their family. So we're hardwired in many ways to work very hard. But at some point in my career, I realized that if I stayed there all night and made sure there were no typos on that document, (laughs) nobody really noticed. (laughs) Yeah, And nobody really took, cared. And that there were other softer skills or broader skills, other things that were, that, that, that were more important, that that then kept moving you along in your career. And, and what I also noticed was that there were people around those people that, so I looked at the people around me that I felt were succeeding. And I saw that they had people that were helping them. And they had people that naturally gravitated to them, et cetera. And I just, I, I didn't feel like I had that. And so I, as I was I can't say I was unambitious, right? I was looking to evolve in my career and progress. I said, well, how can I do this? And the only thing I could think of was to find people to help me. And I always thought I had pretty decent interpersonal skills. I think people generally liked me. And so it wasn't hard to find people that liked me. And so then when I found those people that liked me, that I thought that were naturally ahead in in, in their own careers and were in positions to help, I solicited their assistance. Some people naturally gravitated to that. Some people you need to you needed to prompt a bit. But that's I, I think that was it was probably some point. I would tell you it's probably some point. Maybe I was about ten years out of law school. It was probably mid two thousands. I would say maybe around that era. I was moving from a junior role into more of a management role. So I was definitely moving along in my career. I think that's when I finally when it clicked. Yeah. So I love that because I think we often think you have to have a plan, right? And it, and, and you got there without a plan. Did and you didn't, right? But it was not yeah. like, it's a plan. You had skills that you were exhibiting, but it was not like, here is my five-year plan and I'm on step one and I'm on step two. And then the other piece that I love about that is the fact that I think I had similar experiences, which is in the beginning You just think if you, because we're taught, right? You keep your head down, you do your work and people will, I don't know, hand you the golden ticket or whatever it is, right? And that's not true. So I want to talk about a few stories that you gave us when we had the prep call, because I think it kind of cements this thought process. So one was at some point you began being called close. And then you also, and it's a slightly different scenario, but I think they tie together. You once had to sit in a room and say, I don't have a mentor, right? And you had to say that publicly. And I I view that as kind of your turning points, right? Those were the things that began to move you along. So can you talk a little bit about those experiences and what you would advise someone who is in a similar experience? 
Yeah, so I think the the first story you're uh, referring to was uh, at the law firm where I worked initially. I was uh, at some point somebody used to call me Close, and I, it was because I was always the one doing all the closings. Every time a right. closing would come for a deal, I was in a transactional area. They would call me. Why? Because I was really good back then. Everything was done in paper, and so setting up all the folders and all that stuff. I was in some ways I was a bit of a I was very organized. So I was very good at doing that type of stuff. And I could work all the hours and had a lot of stamina for that. But I realized at some point I was really being a glorified paralegal. And there were other people that were sitting on the deals and doing other things. And I was there doing that. And I went to the, I mean, at some point I tried to do a good job. You don't want to seem like you're unhappy about things. But I finally went to the assignment partner. I said, I think I do way too many closings here to the point that I'm being called close a and, mm-hmm. and, and it, it sounds funny, but they understood they got it. Like they were like, Oh, that's somebody who's a partner at a law firm who's managing a lot of junior associates. They know that you're not going to, your career's not going to made up on, on setting up folders. And yeah. so I did make it a point to bring that up and to say, Hey, but you know, Hey, this is, there's an issue here. And I dealt with it appropriately. And it, it was, I would say addressed but again, I was advocating for myself. So I think that's something really important for people in, in, in your careers, especially again, like Marie, I'm sure many of us, it, we think that if we do, if we work really hard, that our work's going to be recognized right. and that we're going to be recognized. And that is not necessarily true. Unfortunately, I'd love to say, I think a lot of people make it sound like that's the way things happen. That is not the way it happened for me. And I needed to say, oh, no, I needed to start advocating for myself. Hey, I, they call me Close. I think, I think that's signaling something. I'd like to be involved in this. I'd like to be involved in that. And I, that's what I ended up doing. At my, I was at the law firm about four and a half years, and I advocated for myself. I said, hey, I want to go to the UK. You're opening up a London office. I think I should be there. And I had to advocate for myself for that to happen. Oh, I think I should be working on this type of deal. And things would happen. They wouldn't maybe happen as fast or as nicely as I would have liked, but they would happen. But they only happened, I think, because I spoke up because I asked. Exactly. Yeah. So even though you had no plan, you kind of had this North Star where you're like, I'm going to just go beyond what I'm currently in and just keep asking for it. How did you plan for those conversations? Right. I think sometimes even just getting to the actually getting setting up the meeting and knowing your talking points, like what did you what was that process like for you as a junior attorney? I probably wasn't that it wasn't probably that planned. It was probably more reactive. I think today I would have been a bit more thoughtful in the planning of that of those things. But I just but I think it it does you I probably needed, if I recall, I needed to muster up a bit of the energy or the the bravery, the courage <laughs> to say, hey, this isn't really the way this needs to be done. This could be done a little bit differently. But but I would just I found allies. I mean, I think that's another really important point that anywhere we work. I mean, unless you're in a very negative environment, there's always allies. There's always people that you can find. Again, maybe they're not slightly, they're not exactly mentors, but they're allies. They're people that you can find that can help you. And again, you ask them for their help. I always found mentorship. I think again, it's when we talk about mentorship and people are helping you, looking for some mentor that's gonna come down from the heavens and <laughs> and I think we have to find, we have to go look for those mentors. We have to make, we have to anoint them, our mentors. <laughs> we have to tell them what mentors do. So it's, you know, it, it is a bit of a, that sort of turns the tables a little bit from what 
the way people think mentors are supposed to be, are supposed to be the role they're supposed to play. So, so I don't think I had a plan necessarily. It was just about, it was, I, th- I think when you say North Star, I think my North Star was always uh, advancement, learning more, and pushing my boundaries. I never thought I would manage people, but I ended up managing them because at some point I said, oh, I think I'd like to do this. I'd like to lead a team. And at some point I thought I'd like to lead a legal department, right? It, it, so I think it's always been about pushing my boundaries more and more. And I continue to do that today. But, but maybe not as planned as I, I wasn't probably as methodical about it back then. So you talked a little bit about mentorship and you, you at, the, at this point probably have tons of people that you mentor. What is that, yeah. that like a successful mentoring relationship look like in, from your perspective? Is there some sort of secret sauce uh, to it all? Yes. I mean, I think, well, I don't know if there's a secret sauce. There definitely is a few ingredients that are important for that. I think, first of all, there's, I think for when I look at, a, at an ideal, I mentor a ton of people. I hate to, well, I don't hate to admit, but I, it's just, I end up in, in helping a lot of people out. <laughs> but I think part of it for me is finding someone who has, who can actually utilize my, what I have to offer. Because some people are on the road to success. They don't need, they're not going to really benefit from me. But others, I can see where there's probably areas where they need a little bit of help. So I look, I look for that. I look for the raw materials, raw materials that can, that have a, have a, with the right watering, right? Have a, have right. a, I will have a so natural development into something it's else, it's right? It's like coal that will turn into a diamond. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then I also look for people that are, open-minded to it because not everyone is open-minded to being mentored. Some people think they know it all. Some people, they figured it all out. They know better than everybody. They're not open-minded to it. So I th- you look a little bit for that. I also look at that people will put the time and effort into it, that they will put the time and effort into themselves because I could tell you all the secrets to the universe, but if you're not willing to work at it, you're just going to you're just, you're not, it's not going to be very helpful. It, it'll be a waste of my time and not really, not really useful for them. So that's what I, I think those are the things that I look for the, where I can add value, the receptiveness of it, and that there's some, somebody there who's looking to work, that's looking to work hard, that's looking to work at it. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit and we're going to move you to outside of work. Sure. And then talk about how that interacts with all of the conversations we've had a little bit. I know that you have played a key role with HMBA, the Hispanic National Bar Association, for those who do not know HMBA, their Poder 25 project, which ties into that discussion of how many Latino GCs we have. Yes. And then you also have played an integral role in some nonprofits. So I know you were on Latino Justice. You're currently the board chair. I was on Latino Justice board with you, Latino Justice Pearl Death. And I know that you are working with the New York Senior Leadership Council of Alpha, which for those who don't know what Alpha is, it's the Association of Latino Professionals for America. So I'm tired just reading that. And we all know this is just a sliver of the hats Jose wears. Right? That's a sliver. We're, all, we're all tired. Yes, yes. So how do you find time to do that? And why? You know, well, 
let me start with the why, because the finding <laughs> is, is, you know, <laughs> still, I'm still trying to figure that one out. I think the why, it is so important for all of us to give back uh, to our community uh, or to our communities, whichever community you belong to. But it is so important uh, for us in our Latino community. We know that uh, there's we have a lot of challenges, uh, but we have a lot of promise, right? We have a lot of promise. We are uh, an ever-increasing, energetic, dynamic demographic that is has a long history in the United States, but in many ways has a very recent history in this country. Many of us are relatively, in historic terms, new to this country. And that means that we've been outsiders, but we are inside. We want to be insiders, and we want to be part of what's happening. We want to be part of, of what makes this country great. and so. You know, we see the need, right? I see the need in our community, the need right. to support our community, to build institutions within our community, and to empower people within our community. So that's the why. I mean, I think if we all thought about it that way, uh, those of us who are Latino think about it that way, we would, we, then the how is just irrelevant because the why is so great. The why is so evident that there's no other. There's no other, the, the how, well, you figure it out. <laughs> you just figure it out. But it does, I think that the how is really rigorously prioritizing is a big one, especially in my, in a role now where I'm relatively senior within an organization like Equitable and also in, in these roles. It's not, first of all, it's prioritizing rigorously, prioritizing to make sure you're focused on the things where you add the most value, <clears throat> leveraging other people, Okay creating excitement about what you're doing so that other people are attracted to the cause. So that's part, I view that as part of what I do. Part of what I do is to create excitement so that others say, wow, I can, I should do that. I can do that. And then to delegate out, right. To get to, to volunteer, to get volunteers, but to also volunteer people, oh, you need yeah. to do this. Can you do this? And that's the way, that's the how, that's the how I can do that many things. I'm not doing everything, right? I'm just part of a bigger, much bigger puzzle. And what kind of skills have you gained in the process of doing so, so much nonprofit work, right? So much outreach. Yeah. What do you, like, what has that done for you? Yeah. So I'll tell you, I, I've thought about this and I say this really honestly. And as Maria, all of us know, when you're on a non-for-profit like Latino Justice, you're giving your time. And your treasure, right? You're donating money, you're yeah. trying to raise money, you're giving a lot of time, etc. And I have been now on the board of Latino Justice for about 10 years. I've been chair of the board for the last three. I've been, I was vice chair four years before that. I can say honestly that I have gotten a lot more out of it than I've given. Okay. And Maria knows how much time oh. justice takes. I have gained a lot more from it. Than I've given. And what have I gained? I've gained beyond just the satisfaction of, of supporting an organization that benefits our community. Let's like kind of leave that aside. That's a much bigger That's goal. the given. That's yeah. the given. But from a more practical and even more selfish point of view, I've gotten practical skills in how to move things forward, to gain uh, consensus to to move projects forward to support others within the organization to to effectuate to affect the mission right to move the mission forward and and sitting there with teams of people to make sure that you're doing that i mean there is so much 
in part of a, as a C-suite individual, a big part of what you should be doing is influencing. What are your influencing skills? I can't begin to tell you how many skills I have to influence by being the chair of the board. How many people I'm influencing by being the chair of a board of, of an organization like Latino Justice? How we're doing it through fundraising? How we're doing it by connecting other organizations to ours? All of it with the goal of moving our mission, but they're all evolving skills in all of us. I mean, I would encourage anyone to join a non for profit board. People, oh, it doesn't pay you any money. It doesn't pay. It doesn't pay you money. It pays in so many other ways that it's not. It doesn't begin. So I think, like I said, I think I selfishly have. Like just for me, for my own skills, for my own development as a professional, as an individual, I have gotten a lot more out of it than I've given. Right. And just on Poder 25, just to speak about Poder 25 a little bit, because Maria mentioned it, and that's something that I've been involved in for the last couple of years. Poder 25, the goal of Poder 25 is to, to get to 20 Latino, Latina GCs by 2025. And I'm hopeful that we will make it by at some point before the end of 2025. Yes. I'm hoping. But as you can imagine, it's not, it has not been an easy task. We have the talent in our community. We have people that are ready to take those jobs, but, but we may or may not get to that goal. It is that is, it is a very, it's very tough to achieve that. But what we do have, but what, but what we are doing at Puller Bentecinco is creating an ecosystem around senior in-house lawyers to support their upward trajectory into those roles. And it includes everything from executive coaching to setting up SWAT teams around people to help them with interviews, to line up Fortune 500 GCs to provide mock interviews for our candidates, for our members, to helping you negotiate your comp package. I mean, we just do the whole thing. So it's basically creating awesome. that we create an ecosystem that is helping a one-stop shop for people that are you know, that are moving up in their career. I think it's been, for some people, it's been really, we've heard the stories from people. It's been really helpful. But not, but these tough, we don't, these tough tasks are not completed in a day, unfortunately. It takes yeah. years. And yeah. so we have to continue. My, my role in it is to build infrastructure, to build continuing organization that will continue for years beyond me to make sure that we have Poder 25 and then we have Poder 30. Right, and just to get to those to and to set the 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 goals for those initiatives. But I think setting an initiative that in itself has been really helpful. We're always talking about the number, we're always thinking about it, we're looking at our lists. So anyway, so that's I, I just wanted to mention because I think it's such a yeah, hugely exactly. important initiative within the, the legal profession. Yeah, it's something I mean, I, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, Diane. I was gonna say it's just something that's missing from our ecosystem. But go ahead, Diana. No, I was just going to say, I love listening to Jose and I've, I've interacted with you in different contexts and stuff. And after hearing kind of all of what you've said today, I don't know if you really can say that you haven't had a strategy because you've been guided by the goal, <laughs> right? I think it's I think it's a fib on Jose's part because he has these goals, either they're and little or they're <laughs> massive, Poder 25. And then what he does is he just like latches onto his goal and he just doesn't give up. I mean, that's what I'm seeing, Jose. I'm seeing like, you're like, I'll put an hour here, another hour here, 10 years later, you're still giving and you're still going. And I think that's- yeah. That if, I don't know, if I were to guess what the key to success is, your tenacity to have some sort of vision and just pursue it relentlessly. Yeah. That's yeah, my think, summary of, of what I'm yeah. listening to. I mean, look, I think tenacity is really important. Just kind of going, circling back to some of the earlier stuff we were talking about, 
and my career and getting to where I was getting. It wasn't a natural, I like again, it wasn't anyone handed anything to me. And sometimes it felt like, what's going on around here? What do I need to do to get myself into a better situation? Because some of these roles, I mean, we went through them very quickly, but some of them were very challenging roles with very challenging people and very challenging political dynamics at organizations that are perhaps not as definitely not as grounded as the organization I'm in now, which has an, an excellent leadership. So it was organizations that were weak and you're trying to navigate all that. And sometimes people were gunning for me. People were not, were actually quite the opposite of supporting me, right? Right. And I kept saying, no, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. And people come with all these problems and this and that and the other thing. And you go, I don't care. Like, I'm continue. I'm moving forward. And right. I think that is something that we all need we can all talk about the problems, but we need to find the solutions. And we just need to, sometimes you need to barrel through. You just need to barrel through like with that vision of looking forward and not be like, oh, we don't have enough this. We don't have enough that. We no, just keep on, just keep on moving forward. And I, so I think that was really important for me. Uh, for, for me, the tenacity has been very important. I, I used to tell my wife, I said, God, I feel like I keep hitting my head against the wall and nothing happens. Except for one thing, I keep, my wife said, what are you going to do about it? I go, I'm going to keep hitting my head against the wall harder. (laughs) And so sometimes you need to do it differently. I would sort of add to that. that Go around the wall, go around the wall. (laughs) Like, or get a hammer. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you need to, I think you need to maybe approach it in a different way. So maybe that's going to work smartly, right? I think that the tenacity is really important because the tenacity gives you the ability to look at issues from different ways and to get there. But you you can't get bogged down by the problems. You just need to keep like barreling through for to the solutions. So I love this because usually we ask our guests to give us a final takeaway. I think that's it. It's the barreling through. Yeah. It's the how hard do you hit your head against the wall? Do you bring in a hammer? That sort of thing. So thank you so much, Jose. We really appreciate your time today for sharing your careers, for sharing your stories and your insight. And I love that we have you as a Latino role model, that you continue to pull people forward with you, right? As you're climbing, you're also that. And we're looking forward to see what you do next. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both, Maria. Thank you, Maria and Diana. I would just add, and I just on for those people listening to this and might say, hopefully those who listen get something out of this conversation that they either uh, relate to or can use as a source of inspiration. I think I will kind of come back to the mentoring point. I think it is Mm -hmm. so important for all of us to find others to help. And you don't need to be at the end of your career. You can be in the beginning of your career. You can all, there's always someone else to help and someone else to support in some way you can always find and it'll not only will it help that person it'll teach you something about yourself and even just tell it you know what i've realized this is maybe my biggest takeaway probably is that at the end of the day (laughs) just telling people they can do something is actually incredibly helpful you tell them oh yeah you can do that you can do that because sometimes they don't see it and so anyway that's i will end it there but i think the importance of mentorship support and just 
backing people up and telling them that they can. I think those are, those for me are, are, are what I try to live every day. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. That, that was beautiful and inspiring. I liked it. Yes. What a great yeah. way to end. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Blazing Ember podcast and our journey to empowerment. Look out for more episodes to keep your ember blazing. Visit blazingember.com where you can connect with us and share your feedback. Hasta pronto.